0: You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, January 7th, 2021. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we've got another edition, actually our second edition, of our Comparing the Rebuild series here on the podcast. And today, we're going to take a look at how the Arizona Diamondbacks are handling their current situation as compared to the Orioles. Now, the Diamondbacks are not calling themselves as a team in a rebuild. Maybe they're in some sort of retool, and some people really don't know what the Diamondbacks are doing, but either way... They may not be rebuilding, but they did finish with the same record as the Orioles at 52-110 and in 2021. So to find out if the Diamondbacks are headed down that rebuild path and how they compare to the Orioles with the two teams finishing with the same record last season, we're going to be joined by Millard Shane Thomas once again. On the podcast. He is the host of Locked On Diamondbacks here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And we're going to talk about all things between these two teams. First, we'll get into the walk off home run by Josh Van Meter on the final day of the season for the Diamondbacks that gave the Orioles the number one pick. In the upcoming draft, we'll talk about the D-backs trading away guys like Paul Goldschmidt over the past couple of years. Will they trade their current star in Cattell Marte? What their system looks like and really what in the world is the plan for Arizona moving forward after an extremely disappointing 2022? But we'll get to all that and more on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast. But before we get to it, just did want to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first listen of the day. Locked on Orioles is free and available on all podcast listening platforms. And remember, we're the only Orioles podcast out there bringing you content three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you wake up, new episode of Locked on Orioles in your inbox. And hopefully this lockout comes to an end sooner than later. And once we get closer to spring training, we'll be back to five days a week, Monday through Friday with new episodes, only Orioles podcast out there. Doing that, And we're an Orioles podcast who's bringing on big league guests. If you did not listen already, go back to Wednesday's episode, episode number 442. Thomas Eshelman, who is currently a free agent, but has pitched in the big leagues with the Orioles over the last three seasons. Join us on the pod to talk about his time with the O's, his ups and downs in the majors, his fantastic college career. We talk about the young pitchers who have impressed him in the Orioles system. We talk about his work with Adley Rutschman and much, much more. Hey, we're the only pod out there who's got Thomas Eshelman talking about uh, all that kind of stuff. So make sure to go back and check out Wednesday's episode. But if you like that episode, if you like what we're doing here on the podcast, make sure to like, follow, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And if you are a listener on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, if you could give us a five-star rating, on either the Spotify app or the Apple Podcasts app. That really helps out a lot. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts as well, you can also leave a review along with that rating. We would really appreciate that. So just wanted to thank you again for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. And for your first listen today, it is the Comparing the Rebuild series. Part two here, part one was a couple weeks ago. We talked with Paul Holden of Locked on Rockies to compare what Colorado's doing to Baltimore now we're going to talk about another NL West team. That is the Arizona Diamondbacks. Once again, finished with the same record as the Orioles, 52-110 and 110 in 2021. However, most people expected the Orioles to finish with maybe the worst record. The Diamondbacks, although they weren't expected to be good, they were not expected to be nearly that bad. And some injuries hurt them. But when you look at a team who only wins 52 games and a team that has just traded you know, their franchise cornerstone in Paul Goldschmidt, you have to ask the question, are they rebuilding as well? So we're going to answer that question and more about the Diamondbacks, their major league team, their minor league system, the current state of their franchise, all coming up right now with Millard Shane Thomas, who is the host of Locked On Diamondbacks, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And we're getting to it right now, comparing the rebuilds, or lack thereof, between the Orioles and the
0: Diamondbacks.
1: Millard, first of all, thank you so much for coming back here on the pod uh, during this lockout.
0: Yeah, no problem. It's been a a minute since we've done a crossover, kind of. So nice to talk to you again.
1: I think the last time we had you on, we talked about Domingo Leba. uh, Oh, yeah. He was no longer even with the Orioles. Uh, He was DFA'd (laughs) about a month and a half later after we talked about him. Uh, But he he had a little run with Baltimore. Um, But now we're going to talk about, you know, a, a series that I'm continuing here on Locked on Orioles, just kind of comparing the Orioles' rebuild to the plan of other teams who, let's just say, lost a lot of games in <laughs> 2021. And as we both know, the Diamondbacks is the best comparison because these two teams finished with a 52-and-110 record. And if not for a walk-off home run on the final day of the season, it would be the Diamondbacks who would have the number one pick. Yeah. Uh, but I just wanted to ask from like the Diamondbacks media, Diamondbacks fan perspective, what was the reaction when it went from wow, we ended our season on a walk-off homer to immediately, oh, wow, we now have the number two pick instead of number one.
0: Well, there was definitely a pivot during the season where once you know where the season's going, you're like, all right, I'm just trying to lose as many games as possible because the D-backs, like the Orioles, they were in line to break a lot of records in terms of losing streaks this season. So uh, there there was a time where I'm like, all right, let's just lose every road game because at one point we did set the all-time road losing streak record during the season, so... You fast forward to the end of the year and it's like entering the last day. I knew the implications. I knew if we won and the Orioles lose, we could lose that number one overall pick. So what did I want the D-backs to do? I wanted them to lose. That last game of the season, as nice as the home run was by a Josh fan meter, it's not like he did a lot of D-backs favors during the season. He had like double digit errors. He was pretty bad during the season. So for the fact that he was so bad during the season then he gives the D-backs a gift of a walk off home run on the last day, just kind of summed up the whole season because the D-backs can never do anything right. So I guess as an Orioles, Orioles fan, you probably feel similar, but at least you get the number one overall pick. Number two is not too bad either, but at least I, I want that security of picking whoever I wanted on the board at the time.
1: Yeah, and there's a there's a really good crop of it seems like five or six guys who could all potentially be number one in next year's draft. So number two is still a, a good spot. But it's funny you mentioned Van Meter. I was kind of looking up his stats. It's like he was hitting two ten with five <laughs> home runs on the season coming into that at bat. And of course it's like that guy who hits that home run. You know, it's not it's not a uh, you know, a Cattell Marte or uh, you know, a David Peralta a veteran leader on the team or a or a Carson Kelly who's been a nice little, you know, breakout catcher. It was Josh Van Meter, who, who does it to the
0: Diamondbacks. No, if it was any of those guys you just mentioned, I would have given them a pass. But the fact that it was Josh Van Meter, who seemed to have like 10 errors the last like 25 games of the season, just been so disgusting to watch last couple months. It, it was really tough to watch to see him hit that walk-off home run. I, I was not very happy to see it.
1: So even with that, they still have the number two pick, and they still uh-huh. did tie for the worst record in baseball at 52 and 110. Now, the difference between Arizona and Baltimore is that The Diamondbacks have been in the postseason more recently Mm. than the Orioles have. And, you know, I I did want to ask this question because the Orioles have been pretty transparent, not not just, you know, like the, the fans knowing what's going on, like the front office has been pretty transparent on, you know, hey, you know, we don't love the word rebuild, but that's basically what this is. You know, they've said that, you know, rock bottom was kind of this year. 2022 will be interesting. And they've said 2023 will be the year we compete to get back to the playoffs. And they've said, you know, this is what we're doing to rebuild the system and, you know, go into international free agency and all these different things. So I I wanted to ask about the D backs who had the same record. What is their plan? Like, do you consider them in a rebuild? Are they in more of kind of retool mode? What, what is Arizona doing? You know, can't really do much right now, this off season, but what is their plan at the moment?
0: Yeah, it's really hard to say because I don't know myself if this team is trying to rebuild or retool. And I feel like it's more of a retool because if you're full out rebuilding, of course, we're in a lockout. So we don't even know if all the moves have been made yet. But if you're in a full out rebuild, I assume you're moving a Ketel Marte because he's the headliner. He's the one that could bring you back, uh, you know, a major package and prospects or whatever else. But I don't think the D-backs are trying to rebuild right now just because this was a team in 2018, 2019. They won 80 plus games, and then going into the 2020 season, that's when they signed Madison Bumgarner, thinking they were going from an 82 one team, and then maybe a Bumgarner could push them to a 91 team. They could be competitive. And then you look at the way 2021. Of course, you had COVID, you had the pandemic. 2020. As I always tell my listeners, I just kind of throw it away. So, what did the D backs go? Uh, what did the D backs do going to 2021? Not really much. I think they just kind of looked at 2020 as like a weird season. A lot of players were either hurt or really had down seasons. And so I think they just said, let's run it back in 2021 and let's see what we have. Because we don't think 2020 was the true, uh, was really the true outcome of what this team can be. And it wasn't much different in 2021. But again, I can't put it all on the talent because the D-backs had as many injuries, if not more, than any other team in baseball. They lost a lot of dudes during the year. So For the D-backs team, I'm not really sure where they are headed as a franchise, their trajectory. I feel like they're kind of in the stalemate position because Madison Bumgarner, that contract has not worked out at all. It's all of a sudden an Albatross contract, one of the worst in baseball. And so you're not moving him anytime soon. And you still have some interesting guys on this team, a Carson Kelly, a Ketel Marte. So I think right now they're just going to kind of play it safe, probably add some, uh, dudes during the offseason because they already signed a Mark and We know the bullpen has been a big issue for this D-backs team, so I think they're going to try to work around the edges and try to just get back to that 80-win team because I did a podcast this uh, earlier this week of, should the D-backs do a full rebuild like the Houston Astros and do three years of tanking, or should they just retool? And I think they should just retool because Ketel Marte is a guy who's like 28 years old. When he's healthy, he's legitimately one of the best players in baseball. You have a whole bunch of other young talent, like you said, Carson Kelly, Dalton Varsho, guys. Zach Gallin still. So right now I think the D-backs should just retool. Hopefully you get some internal development. You went out there, you hired Brent Strom and a, you basically revamped the coaching staff. So right now I think the D-backs are looking for internal development, maybe sign a couple key relievers, maybe sign a third baseman or another outfielder, and then kind of basically run it back in 2022. And hopefully you get a healthier season, some balanced back seasons from some of your guys. I know that was a pretty long rant there, Connor. Yeah, but it's
1: it's all good insight because even the Mark Melanson signing, I'd kind of forgotten about that when I feel like it was one of the ones that had kind of gotten lost in the mess uh, of that week of signings right before the lockout. And you think about it, you know, Melanson is not the pitcher he was, you know, in Atlanta, but he saved over 40 games for a team that had playoff aspirations in San Diego last year. So, you know, if, if you're a rebuilding team, you're going out and signing the middle reliever who you think maybe could close games for us and maybe we could trade at the deadline. You're not signing the veteran closer to, you know, a solid deal. So, you know, I do think, yeah, if, if Arizona does try to get healthy and run it back. And now I, I did want to ask quickly say, you know, I don't think like the Diamondbacks, they, they have more talent, I think on the roster than the Orioles do it. And unless all this goes wrong again, like I don't think they're losing 110 games but if they lose 90, 95 plus games again next year, do you think your outlook changes? Do you think their outlook changes on what the plan is moving forward?
0: Yeah, because I mean, of course, every time I do a crossover a lockdown host, you're probably the only one who has to ask, like, how do we get Ketel Marte? And it's probably because your team's in a similar situation as mine. But the D backs have just kind of they they just kind of been beating around the bush on the question, like they've been pretty, I guess, non committal to it, but I think they want to keep Ketel Marte, but I think their perspective would change if they keep losing, you know, 100 games or whatever for the next couple of seasons. But Keto Marte, like I said, he's an MVP candidate. And the thing is, he's getting he's one, he's on one of the best contracts in baseball. He's making 10 million or less for the next couple of years, I think through 2025, maybe 2024. So he's a bargain player. And for a guy who's still young in his late 20s, the kind of deal he's on, it's like why move him it's not like the Zach ranky move I know you want to talk about some of the trades uh, in the past but it's not like any of the prospects or players we've gotten back in return for our last couple of big trades have really worked out entirely uh perfect so far so right now I think they're just gonna stay pat with ketel Marte again running back in 2022 but if we see similar results that we've seen in 2020 2021 then I think we could see a major shake-up not just coming from you know the lineup and the players but even that coaching staff, Tory Lavello only got a one-year extension. He's been, I mean, he's been, I, I you know Mike Hazen and him go back to the Red Sox days, but you never know. Like if Tory Lavello has another season where this team does not look good and he's deciding to use Madison Bumgarner as a pinch hitter late in games instead of other bench players, then I don't know uh, if this team can endure another Tory Lovello and some of these players having another bad season for 2022 and beyond.
1: So we'll get back to our conversation about the Orioles and the D-backs with Millard Shane Thomas of Locked on Diamondbacks in just a second. But first, let's talk about Built Bar. And listen, these protein bars, they are delicious. They are good for you. And it's the New Year. So that means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Bilt Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. And some would say maybe Even better than a candy bar. And Bill Bar makes it easy to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky, waxy, and just taste bad. And speaking of, you know, how it tastes, these taste good. They've got great flavors, coconut, almond, peanut butter, brownie, cookies, and cream, just to name a few. And all these bars, just 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar, just 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. So to get your hands on some of these built bars, go to built.com. Use the promo code Locked15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code Locked15 for 15% off at built.com In terms of, of trades, I did want to get to that, but kind of a uh, another question before that, that will lead into the trades. You know, you look at the Orioles and you know, their top three prospects at the moment Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, DL Hall, they're all top 100 guys in baseball, and they were all drafted by the Orioles. But as you go a little further down the top 10 of the Orioles prospect list, there are a good amount of guys who they have acquired uh, in trades over the last couple of years. But what I notice in Arizona is I believe the top, all of the top 10 prospects on MLB.com for Arizona were either drafted or signed as international free agents by the Diamondbacks. So kind of a two-part question. One, are any of these guys – going to be in the bigs in 2022 that you are hopeful for? And then kind of the, the B part of the question, is it concerning at all that any of the trades that have been made haven't turned into some of those guys? Or is it more like, you know, hey, we got Zach Gallon, He's already in the big leagues, and, and that's why that trade worked out.
0: Yeah, some of the trades that they made in recent years, like uh, the Paul Goldschmidt trade or like the Zach Greinke trade, a lot of those guys were closer to being major league ready. Not a lot of them were these 18-year-olds who are in high A. Like, in the Paul Goldschmidt trade, you got back Carson Kelly and Luke Weaver. Like Those are two guys starting from day one. And the Zach Greinke trade, you got like three dudes who are already in double A AA or triple A, plus a Josh Rojas, who's already been a major leaguer for the last two years. So a lot of the big trades that they made the last few years, they got back a lot of major league ready players where they weren't going to spend a lot of time. To the miners. And so I think that kind of answers that part of the question. But in terms of the drafting of players and who's one of the top prospects that we might see in 2022, Alec Thomas is probably the most likely guy. Um, look at MOB.com right now. He's number three on the top 30 prospect rankings. And he's someone, I believe he won minor league player of the year for the D-backs he had a phenomenal season last year. I believe he represented them in the minor league all-star game as well. So he's an outfielder. The D-backs right now do have a need in the corner outfield because there's no longer a Cole Calhoun, maybe a Dalton Varsho gets some more run out there, but the D-backs are really deep right now in their, outfield prospects. So I think Alec Thomas is going to be a guy that we potentially see in 2022. He went from double A AA to triple A uh, last season. So I think he's probably the most likely guy that we're going to see in the near future. But to answer your first part of the question, I think a lot of the guys that they've gone back in recent years were more major league ready. And that's why you haven't seen some of them in the top 10 prospects or whatever.
1: Yeah. And, and that's another thing you can point to, to say the Diamondbacks aren't in a rebuild because if you're really in a full rebuild, you're doing what the Orioles have done with some of their, you know, more recent trades, not, you know, they kind of whiffed on their big trading, which was in 2018, guys like Manny Machado and Kevin Gosman were traded that year, but that was a different GM. The trades they've made more recently, you know, dealing guys like Dylan Bundy and Jose Iglesias, like they have gotten, you know, out of each of these deals, you know, a guy who's maybe a double A AA guy, but then they'll always get a, you know, an 18 or 19 year old who's, you know, a, a, a prospect that they think they can mold into a, a good player, but is, Know four or five years away from the big leagues, and you can tell the Diamondbacks just aren't doing that, and and that's what kind of signals that yeah maybe they had the same record as the Orioles, but the plan is not the same. You know, it, it's a different philosophy. It's a, it's a it's a different road forward right now. Uh, you know, when you compare Arizona and Baltimore, now you mentioned the Paul Goldschmidt trade, and you know that trade is you know you can talk about the Zach Granke one too, but the Goldschmidt one is different because when you think Diamondbacks for the last. I mean, mm-hmm. close to a decade almost you think Paul Goldschmidt, so you know, looking at it now and you, you you know you're not five years down the road when you can more easily assess the trade, but looking at it now in terms of how much they needed to do that trade versus what they got back, like as a a move that you know did not signal rebuild but definitely didn't signal we're going all in when you trade a guy like Paul Goldschmidt, how do you assess that trade at this point?
0: Yeah, I mean, I wasn't a big fan of fan of it at the time, just because I'm never in the market of trading your franchise cornerstone for a couple of prospects. Like I'm more of the guy like, let's keep the better player instead of trying to, you know, wish for a hope and a prayer. But when you look back at it, I mean it's weird to say because I think a lot of D-backs fans, we all like Carson Kelly. He showed a lot in 2019, showed a lot of promise. 2020 wasn't the same, but bounced back a little bit in 2021. But still, there's a lot of question marks for Carson Kelly. Can he hit that ceiling we saw in 2019? Can he get back to being consistent like he was in 2019? So there's still a lot of question marks with him. And a Luke Weaver as well is another guy that really showed a lot in 2019, at like a sub three ERA. And then he got hurt, missed basically the rest of the season. And then 2020, Did not look good at all. Came back in 2021, had a little bit of a bounce back, but again, he missed a lot of the season and he's basically turned into just a two-pitch guy over the last couple of years. So you look at the development from Luke Weaver and Carson Kelly the last three years, then you got to admit like, maybe. Are they going backwards? A Luke Weaver definitely looks like he's going backwards. Carson Kelly, I think you have a little bit more hope for, but I think the development from the D-backs has been the biggest issue for me over the last few years because you look at the Robbie Rays of the world who was an all-star in 2017 and they seem to regress every season. And then as soon as they leave, they go on to become a Cy young award winner. Like The D-backs keep having quality players in their building and then they keep letting them go do some kind of trade. They net back a couple of young guys and then they can't really turn those players into great players. I mean, Zach Allen has worked out Ketel Marte has worked out but there's a lot of guys who they trade for that they end up going on to another team after they come to Arizona and their their career seems to take off so I think from a developmental system a ve- developmental standpoint that's my biggest issue with the D-backs team and you look at Paul Gochman now like he's still a stud for the St. Louis Cardinals he's still a 30 plus home run guy he's still a guy with an OPS around 900 so would I rather have a Paul Goldschmidt with a Ketel Marte on this team right now with a Dalton Varshow? I probably would. I like a Carson Kelly, but I don't think the Luke Weaver has really held up his part of the bargain as much. And I think I'd rather just have a franchise cornerstone that my fans can resemble with for, you know, however long he plays for the D-backs.
1: Yeah, that's the big thing. And, and the reason I brought that up, too, is because, you know, it's obviously been a few years since this happened, but you know, when the Orioles unloaded in 2018, they traded Manny Machado and that was, mm-hmm. you know, a little different, but you know, Manny had been there for seven years. He had basically grown the team back into a playoff contender and he was like, you know, maybe not the face of the Orioles. Cause it was probably Adam Jones, but one of the faces of the Orioles at that point. And looking back at that trade, it's been now three years. So Orioles fans have a much more time to assess that than D-backs fans have of the Goldschmidt trade right now. But The Machado trade has flopped, and you know, at the end of the season last year, none of the five players that the Orioles acquired were even on the big league roster for the Orioles, and only three of them were in the system. All were in AAA, and all were struggling. And so, you know, not all these trades are, you know, hey, you know, it sucks that we're going to trade our star, but we're going to get back some really good young guys. Like they don't always work out, and a Manny Machado. Uh, trade is a big reason there. And I think that's another reason why, if you have Kittel C- Marte on a cheap contract, and I believe with the team options, like they have him through 2024. So if you've got him, keep him. And that brings me to my last question for you, Millard. Like, you know, the Orioles have shown what their plan is, and there's an interesting amount of trust from the fan base. Some people are are all bought in on Mike Elias tearing it all down, and they're like, he's going to build the Orioles into a consistent winner. Some people like me, are happy that how well he's been able to do the rebuild but don't like that the major league product has been so terrible through this and feel like he could have done a better job making it more watchable and then some people just think what he's doing is just awful for the game and and you know are just not a fan of anything he's doing so i just wanted to ask what is your feeling on you know your confidence in the D-backs front office to get this team after what is you know definitely the worst year they've had in a while to get this team back to at least Being a contender in a division that is getting tougher and tougher by the year.
0: It's hard to say I'm confident because the GM is really never allowed to go out there and spend any money. The D-backs have always been a team that at best their league average when it comes to payroll. This is a team that's only made the playoffs three times since 02. So it's not like I have a lot of confidence for them to get back there three times in 19 years. It's not like we've seen a lot of go- uh, a lot of glory since that 01 World Series. So it's hard to have a ton of confidence. Uh, if the ownership wants to spend a little bit more money on their team, I think it would help out a long way. But there's also it's just hard when you're trying to work around the margins because mike hazen he's trying to go out there and get the cheap guys it, he's basically trying to do what the san francisco giants are doing where they go out and get the kevin gosman on one-year deals or the or the anthony del scafani's and those guys just turn out to be you know all-star level pitchers uh basically on really cheap deals and that's a really tough thing to do consistently it's really hard to find those diamonds in the rough and mike hazen has definitely not been able to do it with the back end of his bullpen going after the hector rondones and the junior guerreras and and the Joaquin Soria's, and the Davinsky's, and the list goes on and on. So finally he said, hey, let's just go out there and get us an all-star level closer and just say, screw it, we're done trying to get the Joaquin Soria's. Hopefully they could turn back the clock eight years. Let's just go out there and get – even though he's a veteran and he's a little wily, he's still a stud. He's still, you could say, in the back end of his prime. So I do respect that, but it's hard to have, it's hard to have confidence in a front office where you always seem to be hamstrung by your ownership, and this is a team – historically over the last 20 years basically since that world series they haven't done much of anything basically a wild card appearance is the the holy grail for this team so it's tough to have any confidence in this d-backs front office
1: it'll be interesting the expectation is both these teams we're talking about win more than 52 games next year i think the expectation is neither of these teams lose 100 games next year to be honest but it will be interesting you know both of them are in Somewhat similar paths, but but they they got to 52 wins this year very different yeah. ways Um, the, the couple of years before. And, uh, you know, hopefully for our sakes, uh, neither of our teams finish in last next year. Uh, but it's the two toughest divisions in baseball. So uh, we will see how that goes. But Miller, thank you so much uh, for joining us for this crossover episode. Talking, uh, you know, the, just the status of the franchises here. The two teams who finished with the worst record in baseball in 2021. And uh, thanks again for coming on.
0: Yeah. Can I get one question in from you actually Connor. go for it? Go today. I just want to know, are the Orioles, a team that, you know, they're in a similar situation as the D backs. I get a lot of questions about Ketel Marte. I'm sure you get a lot of questions about Cedric Mullins. And what do you think the the Orioles stand on him? I just want to know from an Orioles fan, their philosophy on their best player.
1: I know you say don't trade Ketel Marte. And especially because they got three more years of him for not that much money. And he's a great player. As the same way I feel about Cedric Mullins. They've got more than three more years of Cedric Mullins. He is on very much a a rookie. I mean, he's not even into arbitration yet. And they basically got six war out of him. I mean, he came out of nowhere, basically. I mean, not a lot of people outside of Baltimore knew who Mullins was because he was supposed to be the replacement for Adam Jones in center field. Mm. Of course, when Jones went over to Arizona in 2019. Yeah. And Mullins started the year in 2019 as the opening day center fielder. By the end of the year, he was in double-A. That's how bad wow. his season went in 2019. 2020, he couldn't get a hit. They sent him back to the alternate site. He came back and was okay. And then 2021, the Orioles were basically in a spot where they were like, you know what? Mullins has shown us enough. Let's kind of make him like the fourth outfielder starting on the on the team. Maybe give him a starting spot for a bit, see how he does. All of a sudden, he's an all-star center fielder and you know hitting leadoff in the all-star game for the American League. And <laughs> so at this point... You know, there's an argument that we've seen the bad Cedric Mullins. We've only seen one year of good Cedric Mullins. Maybe you trade him now because his value is never going to be higher. My thing is you've got like four or five more years before he even becomes a free agent. Maybe he'll never have a year better than this. But if he can get close to this, like he was a six-win player, if he can be like a four-win player for the next couple of years, that's a guy you build around because if you're saying, hey, we're going to compete in 2023, you're still going to have Mullins for years after 2023. So if you can get a player that good for, let's be honest, not that much money, keep him around. There is no reason to trade him. I know there were those rumors early in the offseason. They're not going to trade him. He'll be in center field in Camden Yards on opening day next year.
0: Okay, and that's just one reason why I think the D-backs might stand still during this offseason, just because, like you said, you never know. There can always be a breakout star waiting in the wings. You saw it with Cedric Mullins. Like, you never know what kind of development a player can have from season to season. So I I just think that's one reason why the D-backs are going to be a stalemate, probably, and not move any of their big pieces this offseason.
1: Yeah, both of us, you know what? The end on this, each team at least has a really exciting, good young center fielder uh, that we can at least get excited to watch every day. But, Miller, thanks again.
0: No problem, Connor. Thanks for having me on, buddy.
1: So we'll get back to the Orioles talk in just a second. But first, let's talk about BetOnline.ag, which would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. How about Week 18 in the NFL season on Sunday, the first ever Week 18 in NFL history? And also, how about the college football national championship game on Monday night between Alabama and and, and BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. It's a new year, and there's a new updated desktop and mobile website as well. You can head there to sign up today, and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to get that 50% welcome bonus. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games – Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. You do it at BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. So our thanks again to Millard Shane Thomas, the host of Locked On Diamondbacks here on the Locked On Podcast Network, for joining us to continue this Comparing the Rebuild series here on the pod and talk about, you know, two different teams who each finished with Tied for the worst record in baseball with the 52 victories in 2021. Of course, because of that walk off homer we talked about, that was a, a great moment on the last day of the season. Really, it was kind of the last thing that happened in the season, at least the regular season, was that Van Meter walk off homer, uh, which gave the Diamondbacks their 52nd win. And with the tiebreakers, the Orioles ended up getting the number one pick in the upcoming 2022 draft. And we'll see what they do with that. And How much that home run impacts the future of the Orioles. You know, another top prospect that they'll be able to get. And obviously, they would have been able to get a great player with number two as well. But we'll see who they're able to acquire now that they have that number one pick once again. We hope uh, for the last time that they have that number one pick. But really interesting to hear about where the Diamondbacks stand, because if you just look at record, you see what the Orioles are doing, and you see that they won the same amount of games as the Diamondbacks, and you think, oh, the D-backs must be rebuilding, especially when you think about, oh, they just traded Paul Goldschmidt. He was Mr. Diamondbacks, and they sent him away to St. Louis, and they've traded a couple other guys over the past couple seasons, including Zach Greinke, and you just kind of assume that uh, they're in a rebuild mode. But as Miller talked about... It's not really the case, and he calls it more of a retool at this point, and he does not think they're going to trade Cattel Marte, just like I don't think they're going to trade Cedric Mullins, obviously, as we talked about there right at the end of the pod. But, you know, I just... Uh, I just think it's really interesting what Arizona's doing or what they're not doing because I think what you have to factor in as well is, you know, I don't think every team should go into a rebuild once they have a bad season. But you look at the division, and this is something we talked about as well. We talked about on the Rockies episode a couple weeks back is – You know, it's a similar spot for the Orioles and for the Diamondbacks where the Orioles are looking up and there are four legitimate playoff teams ahead of them in the division going into 2022. And for the Diamondbacks, they look up and they see the Dodgers and the Giants who both finished with over 100 wins this year. And then you've got the Padres who, yes, they were the most disappointing team in baseball in 2021, but they're still one of the most talented rosters in baseball heading into next season. And they're going to be once again a legitimate contender and even the Rockies, who we've talked about already on this podcast, you know, they weren't great. Their roster's not great, but the Rockies severely overperformed in 2021. Now that didn't make them a playoff team. They still had a losing record, but they were great at home. They had a bunch of walk-off wins, and they're still exciting. They have a nice young core of pitchers, and they're in a better spot heading into next year, you could argue, than the Diamondbacks. So you're looking at the D-Backs team that is poised to probably finish in last in the NL West again. But I don't think they're going to have a plan going like the Orioles now. You know, they don't have a great system. They don't have a bad system. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, what they do moving forward. A lot of their talent at the top of the system is very young and still years away, as we talked about as well. Unlike the Orioles, who, you know, hopefully will see all three of their top prospects uh, in the big leagues in 2022. So that's a different spot as well. But be interesting to keep our eye on the Diamondbacks. as uh, I wouldn't expect them to lose 100 games again, as we talked about. But... You never know playing in that division. That's kind of how Orioles fans feel as well. But speaking of the NL West, uh, that was where Wayne Kirby did his coaching the last couple of years. Of course, he was on that staff in San Diego that we called Orioles West for a while. His contract ran out with the Padres. Of course, they let go of Jace Tingler as well, who was the manager there. And You know, some Orioles adjacent news from this week that we wanted to get to before we finish up here is Wayne Kirby's got a new job and uh, it's pretty exciting where he's heading. He is going to be the new first base coach for the New York Mets and is once again reuniting with Buck Showalter in the dugout. Of course, Kirby was with the Orioles and with Showalter for that entire run in the 2010s as the Orioles' first base coach, a fan favorite uh, in terms of guys on the coaching staff. Uh, He coached first, worked with the outfielders, and always had a fantastic back-and-forth going with Adam Jones. Uh, But it's cool to see Buck and Wayne Kirby reunited with the Mets, as uh, they also actually hired Eric Chavez, the former Yankee, and of course Oakland Athletic as their hitting coach on Thursday and they hired Wayne Kirby as their first base coach. So excited to see Wayne uh, keep it going in baseball. Uh, Great guy to root for. Loved having him in Baltimore. Miss him really being on that Baltimore coaching staff. And uh, just love to see Buck kind of getting the gang back together a little bit with Wayne Kirby back there as well. And excited to watch the Mets. Excited to watch Buck Showalter lead that team with a lot, a lot of talent in 2022 and beyond. But, That will do it uh, for this week on the podcast. Hope you enjoyed not just today's episode with Millard Shane Thomas comparing the Orioles and the Diamondbacks, but our whole week of episodes here. Of course, we had a mailbag Monday, and then we had a big leaguer on the pod for the first time in Thomas Eshelman on Wednesday's episode. Make sure to go back and listen to that one. Great conversation with Eshelman uh, on that episode of the podcast, but Other than that, you know, we've got more exciting stuff coming up next week. When we return on Monday, it'll be another Mailbag Monday episode. Remember, if you want to ask mailbag questions, you can tweet us at Orioles or tweet me at Newcomb underscore, or you can DM either of those accounts with your questions. You can email us mailbag questions at LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com. You can also post a mailbag question in the review section on the Apple Podcasts app Uh, on the Locked On Orioles page, and we will answer the questions there as well. So Mailbag Monday coming up next week, and also have a couple more player interviews lined up. Now the next two guys will talk to Uh, are not big leaguers yet, but two guys who are knocking on the door of the big leagues and were in AAA in 2021. We'll have those interviews uh, coming up over the next couple of weeks as well. Keep hitting you with this exciting content during the lockout here on Locked On Orioles. But again, we're back Monday with another Mailbag Monday edition of the pod, answering your Orioles questions. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.